Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shelf Games Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 148 for the week of October 18th. And of course, Shelf Games is your lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on the shelf. I'm one of your co-hosts, uh, John, and I am joined uh, by two incredible gamers. Uh, we've got uh, Ted. What's up? And uh, David, who sometimes is a game developer. What's up? Sometimes. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> how's everyone doing? How's, uh, how, how's everyone's week? Uh, aside from the world being on fire, uh, how is everyone else you know, handling life and stuff? Um, Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just still locked in our, in our little homes. Yeah, know, I got a, I got a new home to be. Oh, that's in. right. You moved it. How, how was that? Uh, it was good. It was actually like probably the one of the smoothest moves I've ever done. Yeah. And yeah, I just like rented a truck. We moved everything. Like I was at each apartment because we had to move from Emily's, then mine, and then back. And then we had to like move both of our stuff into one apartment. So it was basically like moving into like three apartments. And uh, yeah, nailed it. Felt good. <laughs> and I backed to like a, what was it, like a 15 foot? Trek. Yeah, I backed it into a spot. I felt like a man. <laughs> and dri- driving the big U-Haul trucks is actually super fun. It is. Yeah. Everybody just kind of Gets lets you way. go. Yeah. yeah. So you're just, <laughs> yeah. you're just bombing down these like very narrow streets in a very large vehicle. Yeah, felt good. So, nice. anyways, that's what's new with me. That's yeah. that's all. Um. Well, folks, we're here to talk about video games. Um. You. Oh, actually, speaking about people's weeks i went and uh had drinks with my colleagues inside a restaurant <clears throat> which is like the first time i've done that since this whole thing like i've done the patio thing a couple times with them uh but this was our first time inside a place we went to uh poorhouse in gastown nice uh, good, good drinks good drinks there um but you know it was it was it was a little bit un- unnerving at first but but you know i, I definitely felt pretty safe they, you know they got plexiglass up everywhere they've got like mm-hmm. uh a system of like hey people can only walk this way in the restaurant so like you're not like crossing paths with people and, and that sort of thing and even then nice. like all, all the tables were pretty spaced out and it was definitely an interesting experience um yeah and yeah it, it's gonna be weird come winter once all the patios shut down who knows what's gonna happen then um how late did you end up staying there uh, not too late. I think I got there around like three thirty ish, and oh, okay, so it was took, early. Yeah, took off by like like six, I think. Right. Yeah. Because I guess yeah, they can't serve drinks past ten, and then people got to be out by like eleven or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this Sweet, is our man. this is our dystopia where we can't get drinks after ten p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I better protest downtown Vancouver. <laughs> one one thing. I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but one thing I'm really happy about um, in this COVID times is how all the breweries in Vancouver or like most of the breweries in Vancouver have gotten together and like really embraced uh, delivery service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like a few of them have got together and like you can go to one site and make a single order that will be from more than one brewery. And you just kind of pick your favorites from all of them, and then you just get a big old box of beer at your door later that day, kind of a thing. Oh, interesting. I, I didn't realize I, they were collaborating like that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, beer van, because because it's Vancouver, but like also it, yeah, they deliver in a van. It, you see, <laughs> and they, yeah. And so, um, 
amazing. So yeah, that that's one of them. Um, you know, like Callister delivers, three three acres delivers, faculty will deliver. Um, yeah, so so you do that, and you just like pick whichever ones you want, and then they they send it over, and it's really really nice, and you don't have to order uh, through Skip the Dishes, which takes right. like thirty percent commission on yeah, yeah. deliveries yeah. and stuff. That's cool, yeah. directly from the places. So I, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure all of our listeners in Vancouver uh, appreciate the info, but those outside of Vancouver, uh, I'm yeah. sure th- I'm sure they can find their <laughs> own beer delivery services. Um, if you guys look, look around, I bet I bet uh, you know a lot of a lot of oh, places sure. have done that because those like small breweries they they usually kind of try to stick out for each other. So because you know they're they're not really in competition with each other, even though they're all providing the same service. Like it, it benefits all of them to work yeah. together to kind yeah. of promote craft brewing. So yeah. Yeah. Have um, kind of unrelated, but have you guys ever tried the no name beer brand? No name. What, like, like, yeah, like, like the no yellow name? box of like no name and it's no. like beer. Is it like, actually like, yeah, like it's a dollar store yellow label. Yeah. A dollar a can. Wow. Yeah. It's a dollar a can. And like, I want to try that. There's no design on the can. It's just like the silver, like whatever, like nickel, whatever it is or tin. And it just says beer on it. in big black letter. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try it so bad. My buddy was having it last week. Oh geez. Yeah. I, I, I need to find that. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Anyways, folks, let's jump in. Let's talk video game news, and then let's talk about some of the stuff that we were playing. Uh, so first things first. You thought it had been put on the shelf, uh, but it looks like uh, the studios have decided to take it off the shelf. So the Resident Evil franchise is getting a reboot uh, for the movies that have already come out. Um, so obviously Resident Evil from Capcom is a fairly successful zombie game, action game. Um so this is, um, yeah, it's a little bit unexpected. Um, but, uh, so, so the movie series ran for six installments from 2001 to 2016. Um, and now, uh, in the last week or so, they've announced that, uh, Capcom and Constantine film, which was the company behind the original movies, uh, have announced that writer director, Johan, uh, Roberts, who did 47 meters down is going to be helming a original or sorry, an official origin story, uh, uh, set in 1998 in Raccoon City. And and from all accounts, they're trying to be as true to the original game as possible with uh, with this reboot. Um, so kind of interesting um, that, that, that they've decided to do this. Uh, on top of this news, um, you know, there, there's a number of other adaptations that are going to be coming. Netflix all, already announced in August um, plans to bring a TV series to uh to the, their platform uh, about the Weskers who are some folks in 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 Resident Evil uh there's also plans for a CG anime series uh sort of like what they did with Castlevania that that's going to be coming to Netflix as well. Uh so folks, what do we think about them rebooting these movies? Um did did either of you watch any of the original Resident Evil movies? I think I watched one and it was the first one. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember anything about it. I was just like, eh, you know, and then yeah. they made a bunch more and I never yeah. watched any of them. David, but. have you watched them? Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never seen, I, I, I know that I've seen like scenes from it. Like, like there's the, there's like the hell dogs that are running around and like yeah. the laser grid scene. Yeah, I have I no idea that. what movie it's from. Yeah. Like, which one is from that might've been the first one. And then I, I remember there being just like, 
like a lot of birds chasing her through the desert at one point. <laughs> I think that was a scene in one of the movies. I yeah, but I've never seen it. So like this, I know that this is one of those things that's gonna be like really big news for some people. Mm-hmm. And just had zero impact on me whatsoever. But yeah. I mean, like, I, I like I'll go see it. Like, if if you know they're coming out with new video game movies, I, you know, I'll probably go. <laughs> so I go check I, it out. I have I have punished myself and I've watched all of these like over the years as they came out, and they're not good. They're they're not good movies, but they're they're yeah. fine to like shut your brain off and like have a snack and a couple drinks while you watch. Um, and Mila Jovovich is always fun when she's like kicking zombie ass and and whatever else. Um, but yeah, I think it's weird that they're just like, oh no, 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 you know, like these movies that were so out there were not true enough to Resident Evil, which is already a series that is like, so like jump, jump the shark, like a million fucking times. Like you fight a guy in a <laughs> volcano in one of those games. Um, so, so it's weird that they're just like, no, 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 no. we got to be true to the source material on this one. Um, yeah, I don't but anyway, anyways, that's, that's something to watch out for it. Uh, again, I, I, I don't expect us to have much to say about this, but I, I thought it was interesting news that they're just like, Hey, we did all these. Now we got to do them again. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what did you guys, a little unrelated, but what did you guys think of the Witcher when they brought it to Netflix? I loved that. I series. really, I really liked it. Yeah. But then I also had never played, I'd never played a Witcher game and I never read the books. So when I watched the Netflix series, I was watching it completely at like, on its own for its own merit and judging it by I mean by its own merit and everything right um which meant that the first you know half of it was exceptionally confusing and then about halfway through when everything lined up you go oh i get it and it's good yeah. um but i mean that was good enough that i've now gone and, and over the last couple of weeks i've been i've been playing the witcher 3 oh, and nice. enjoying it a lot um nice. i didn't put it on on the list today because i want to i want to you know like get further in kind of before talking about it but for sure but yeah so i mean i liked it a lot and they you know i think they just announced witcher season two is coming soon oh yeah they started filming they they put out a a picture of henry cavill in some leather armor and daddy let me tell you he looks he looks hot (laughs) i never say that combination of words again (laughs) this is a this is a slight aside but i saw a gif and it was just titled you know, when you show up at a party and everybody's wearing the same thing and it's Geralt walking down that alleyway on his way to like the, one of his big fights. And then he stops and he looks as Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, who's also wearing black leather pants and like a black, you know, low like tied off shirt. And then he looks to the side and it's Ross from Friends also wearing the black leather pants and the, and the tight shirt. He just does the fuck. Uh, very good gift. That's that's good. That's good. I want to see that. Uh, uh, anyways, in, in more uh, news that we can speak to, um, I think one thing that we talked about uh, a couple weeks back is the fact that uh, Apple is going to be limiting game streaming services on iOS. So basically, they, they came out and said things like xCloud and Stadia would not be able to have one app where you could stream um, you know, the games on their service to your mobile device right on, on iOS. Um, basically what they were saying is like, Hey, this sort of breaches our terms of use. And what they wanted, uh, developers to do is submit apps individually so that they could be reviewed, um, and, and sort of be offered on the service. Like they basically had to be available to download individually. And what the, the streaming services could do is have an app that was sort of like a catalog, but it wouldn't necessarily launch the games from that app. 
Um, so uh, one thing that we talked about, I think, a couple weeks ago when Amazon announced uh, Luna, which is going to be their game streaming service because everyone needs one now, uh, is basically that they were going to be utilizing a web app, uh, which is not uh, like a dedicated mobile app, right? It's sort of like a workaround where you're basically like launching a website, if I'm not mistaken. Is is that what a web app is, David? Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> yes. It sounds about right. Yes. <laughs> I'm just looking at you because you used to make mobile games, and I just assume you know everything about the platform. <laughs> oh, well. The web app well. master. <laughs> no. Web app. I mean, yes, that, that's that's what I would assume. Like, there, there's there's lots of... There's, I mean, it's anytime you follow... If you're, like, in Facebook and you follow a link, it'll be like, do you want to take this to an external whatever? And it's going to be the same thing as that. Right. That's what uh, I would assume. So so uh, Gaming Chief uh, over at Microsoft, Phil Spencer, uh, you know, said in a recent all-hands meeting, uh, quote, we absolutely will end up on iOS. Uh, you know, he feels good about the company's uh, iOS progress. Uh, quote, we'll end up on iPhones and iPads with Game Pass. Um, so yeah, obviously Microsoft wasn't wasn't too happy about Apple sort of saying that they couldn't have a dedicated app um, and, and they do have to find a workaround this way. Um, and it looks like they're going to be aiming to bring this to... Uh, Windows 10 PCs in 2021, but I don't think there's a timeline yet for uh, the, the the mobile version of this. Again, probably 2021 would, would be my guess. Um, as someone who is enjoying Game Pass, I think that's that's good news. I, th- I think it's the service is pretty okay so far. Like they're definitely aiming to be the Netflix of games. We've talked about it at length on the show, and um, I think the the last few months have been kind of like slow for titles, but I imagine they're saving a lot for when it launches with the new consoles. Uh, I imagine they're they're going to have a big push with with new stuff on, on um, uh, Game Pass. Uh, but but what do we think about this news, um, David? Uh, again, like sort of you, you've been dabbling with Game Pass, and we t- we talked a little bit about you know the fact that they would have to find some sort of workaround, and obviously the, they're working on it right now, but it's not quite ready. Yeah, I mean, their goal, and yeah, like like you said, we've talked about this before, but I imagine their goal is instead of talking about exclusivity, instead of saying, you know, this is like their original Xbox One proposition, which was, you know, this is the way that you play games. They're just saying, like, where are you? We're going to bring games to you. Like, wherever you are, you want to play these games, we're going to give them to you wherever you feel like playing it, no matter what. And so... I mean, the, Phil Spencer, you know, in this in this article, he's quoted as saying, like, we will absolutely end up on iOS. He's just like, no, th- this is happening. Like, we're going to figure it out. However, it has, has to happen. They want you to play Xbox games on everything. Mm-hmm. And so they're just they're going to push for it, even if it. So right now, my guess is that they well, I don't know, but they they, they might just be doing this in order to warm Apple up to the idea that this is okay. You know, just we're okay, fine. We'll play by your rules or kind of play around your rules, I guess, until they can push it to a point that it just makes sense for Apple to let them have their app, you know, for sure. Um, Ted, have you, well, necessarily we'll move. Yeah. Um, sorry, Dave, you're breaking up a little bit and you're frozen on my screen. He is frozen. I don't know if you're still there or not. Um, Ted, Ted, that happened in real life. Do you think, um, you would mess around with a, a cloud streaming service like an um, Cloud or a Stadia, like once they kind of get rolled out? Honestly, man, probably not. Unless like you or someone that I know that, that also games is like, man, you really got to try this specific game. Like 
I don't know that like it just isn't something that like is super exciting to me unless I see the benefits that it's really going to bring to my current like gaming situation I guess like I don't mind coming home and playing on my own desktop on my own network and just like having fun that way but I don't need to be playing games all the time like on mobile um but yeah I know I just like kind of found it interesting that they're like they need to find like this weird runabout like workaround just to get it on the iOS and yeah yeah exactly like, why, like we were we we're gonna get there eventually anyways like why do we have to do it this stupid way but yeah I don't know <laughs> yeah um and, I mean I think like uh to, you know to David's point like uh, they're they're really trying to um get um you know just just get people wherever they are you know playing the playing the game um so yeah. I, you know, I, I understand that, you know, they want to be on iOS, they, they, you know, they want to be on PC, they, they want to be everywhere, really. Um, but, but I, I think it, like, it's, it's going to take some time, I think, to convince me that, like, game streaming is, like, superior to, um, mm-hmm. uh, to, like, just downloading games on my own yeah. or, or whatever. Um, I mean, that's still, that's still, like, just latency and just, like, there's so many different factors, especially if it's a multiplayer game, like, that's mm-hmm. not probably going to be very fun yeah but. for sure because i remember seeing like videos of, of latency when like stadia first got rolled out and it was like if you're playing like a first person shooter like it is not good it is like hit the jump key one mississippi two mississippi your character jumps yeah um yeah and so so yeah so so i don't i don't necessarily think like uh uh game streaming services like on mobile are for us but i definitely think that there is a wider appeal for someone who's just like, Oh, let me fire this up and play, you know, uh, Microsoft's take on solitaire or, or whatever it is. Oh yeah, for sure. Or, or, or you know, turn-based stuff or, or what have you. Um, and I mean the, like the mobile gaming industry in, in China is like fucking massive. So I mm-hmm. can see why they'd want to fill that, that gap. Right. Or at least yeah. get in on that, in, in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David, do you have any other thoughts on, on game streaming? Like um, we were just kind of saying, like this isn't necessarily for us, but we we understand the appeal. Yeah, like for a w- sure. Wider market. Yeah, what Ted said about <laughs> Chinese, we were talking the about Chinese Asian market, is, and then you cut out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but like I I heard the uh, I heard what Ted said about the Chinese or just in general Asian market, and you're entirely right. Like that's yeah. people's primary gaming mode there in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Just getting it on phones. That's what yeah. they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one game that isn't going to be coming to phones anytime soon is StarCraft II, uh, as Blizzard just announced that they are going to be wrapping sort of, uh, de- not I don't want to say ending development, but they're ending new content development for StarCraft II, which is kind of surprising to me because I didn't realize they were still making new content for StarCraft II. <laughs> um so they said that they will now moving forward uh, be focusing on quote season rules and necessary balance fixes and what is next for the StarCraft series. Um, so they're going to be, you know, primarily focusing on the core and competitive communities. Um, and again, they're not going to be rolling out new exciting content, not, you know, new cosmetics or characters or, or whatever, else, whatever else. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting because you know uh, StarCraft originally StarCraft Two originally came out in 2010, and then of course they they rolled out each subsequent you know big expansion. Um, 
until I believe 2015 and then have supported it since. Uh, obviously, it has a huge competitive scene. Uh, still a little bit niche, but but is, is pretty big in some markets. Um, so uh, I, I think it's, it's more interesting that like, this game had this long of a, a life. And I'm very curious to see what happens next because uh, there, there's been a lot of rumblings about what is happening at Blizzard since they got bought by Activision and how mm-hmm. Activision as a publisher is really pushing for more releases to generate more revenue um, instead of sort of like taking a long time to gestate with a project um, and, and, you know, like potentially like throwing out a lot of work and, and sort of like moving on to the next thing, sort of saying, Oh, this didn't necessarily work. Let's, let's, let's find something else. Cause they obviously blizzard has a pedigree of like when games come out, they have to be great. They have to be super polished and they, they need to be big and, and splashy. And we want to like find the communities for them. Um, so it's interesting that they're uh, wrapping up content development on StarCraft 2, figuring out what's going to be next. I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, and, and just as a reminder, the games that Blizzard is currently developing, uh, Overwatch 2, Diablo 4, Diablo Immortal, and uh, Shadowlands for World of Warcraft. Um, Ted, did, did you ever play StarCraft, or, or do you have any thoughts about them sort of wrapping up and like where they might go with StarCraft in the future? Man, I, I think I'm the wrong guy to ask. I really, I've, I've never touched that game. I feel like if I had anything to say, it would just be like, yeah, I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. That's fair. David, what about you? Uh, I played a lot of StarCraft II when it first came out. Um, had people people over to the house who'd set up our computers. We'd be landing like StarCraft Arcade till like, you know, four in the morning kind of a thing. Um, so... And, and even I was still like a little bit surprised that they were still developing new content for it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, cause I mean, yeah, it came out 10 years ago. Yeah. Wild. Um, I'm ex I'm excited. Like if, if this, you know, if you know what comes next sounds like Starcraft three, right. That would make sense. Um, and I would be a hundred percent down for that. Um, yeah, it's fine. I only finished Legacy of the Void like a month ago, two months ago. I just I picked it up in 2015 and then just like played the first three missions and then and then fell off super super hard for I guess five years and, and now <laughs> just finished it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I get what you're saying about about the concern that they might be pushed to release something too quickly, but. I don't know. I, I I'll I'll hold up my judgment till till I see it. I guess. Yeah. That's um, even even when they're kind of pushing on new stuff like Overwatch Two, I guess was the kind of one release that seems a little bit weird out of their current lineup, just because it very much feels like it's it's not Overwatch Two. It's Overwatch Two Point right? Like it's yeah. just it's a new release on the same game. Yeah. Um, which and so that seems quite different from their typical releases, where that you know they take years off and then they re- have another massive release. But at the same time, you know they they push StarCraft two for a decade, right, mm-hmm. to see how long they could keep that game going and keep that game uh, interesting. And so you never know; they might just they might have been taking the last five years, you know, with that team and not developing new. Um, 
you know, new story content or like an expansion or something like that. And just focusing on the more live ops, the seasonal content um, releases in order to explore what a StarCraft three looks like. Yeah, for sure. So, Um, so, so Ted, I actually wanted to pick your brain on that because I I know you've been playing a lot of overwatch recently with your friends and I'm curious how you feel about overwatch Two because from, from what I'm hearing is like, they're saying they're not going to split their user base. They're like, oh, if you have Overwatch, you can play with people who have Overwatch too. But like, I, I imagine mm. there will, there will be some things that like you won't be able to access. You know, if you only have the base Overwatch. Um, and and again, I'm like confused. I'm like, oh, is this an upgrade? Is this like, do I get yeah. different characters? Do I do I get access to maps that I don't get with the base version? And so I'm just curious what what your thoughts are on on Overwatch two. Yeah, man, I guess I have the same questions. Like, with a game with a, such an established meta, especially, like, an eSports game, where it's just, like, how much is going to change with the new Overwatch and, like, what will be different? I, I seriously have no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess if you, if it's kind of related to, like, CS or CS Source and then CSGO, where they just kind of, like, revamped maps and character models and, like, but the, the base game was pretty much the same. I mean, that's that's cool. But, I mean, maybe, like, I'm wondering if they'll have, like, a single player in Overwatch 2. Like, if I, there's going to be... I think they've they've said that they're planning on it. Uh, but, again, what that entails, like, is it going to be an actual, like, oh, hey, this is a very story-driven campaign? Or it, from from what I think they initially said, it sounded more like this is, this is like, a co-op sort of wave-based thing or, or like, a... More, more like a okay. Left 4 Dead than, than like a story game, I think. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I've got a lot of question marks about, you know, yeah. what, what I mean, that game's going to be. That could be kind of cool. I mean, they, they put so much effort into the lore and like the character backstories mm-hmm. of that game where it's like, I feel like there's an opportunity where they can kind of explore that side of the game in, in maybe different game modes. Because right now it's just like, you get these really cool cinematics and like you can really dive deep into like each character's relationship and everything. But it's like at the end of the end of the game, end of the day, you're going to be just picking the same characters in a six stack. And it's like, you're just playing a multiplayer shooter right. game. Right. And the story doesn't have anything to do with it. So yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it is an, an interesting decision considering stuff like uh, the, the next thing we're, we're going to talk about, like, uh, you know, like whether it's Dota two or counter strike, like once you have like the newest best version of that, like those games stick around for like six plus years, you know, 10 years sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it is an interesting decision that they're just like, Oh, Hey, we're going to put a two on this and like roll out a big, like I, I imagine like if this was again, something like a Dota or a counter strike, it would just be like, Hey, here's a big massive update. Whereas this kind of feels like, no, 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 we want to market this as a, as a product as opposed to just an expansion or, or like a big overhaul or something, you know? Mm, um, yeah. Anyway, um, so speaking of esports, which is uh, what I really want to talk about here uh, this week, uh, Riot announced that they're going to be shutting down their Australian office and with it, the Oceanic Pro League. Uh, so for those that don't know, Riot has sort of a direct hand in its professional scene. Um, so if you are an esports athlete playing League of Legends, you basically sign a contract with Riot Games and, and the team that they're going to be um, uh, playing for. Um, so uh, th- this is kind of unfortunate. I think there were like 10 or 12 people at that office. So th- that sucks that those people are, are going to be out of work. Um, 
But this uh, news comes a year after Riot uh, began downsizing um, the Oceanic uh, Pro League. Um, and basically, Riot said uh, that the Australian market just was no longer sufficient to support the uh, Oceanic Pro League. They say, quote, unfortunately, despite the best efforts of our teams and players, the OPL has not met our goals for the league. And we do not believe that the market is currently able to support a professional league. Um, so long story short, the, the players in that region are going to be able to play in other regions and qualify in other regions and continue, you know, their careers. It might be a little bit more difficult for them. Um, you know, who knows if, if they'll be able to, to get a seat in a team that, that can play and qualify in another region. Uh, so that's really unfortunate for, for the pro scene there. But when, when I saw this article and, and why I wanted to talk to, to you two about it is it really got me thinking about the longevity and the uh, viability of esports in general. And, and, you know, because when we talk about stuff like traditional sports, whether it's NASCAR, football, hockey, like those have been around for 50 plus, sometimes 100 plus years. You know, like I imagine people are going to be like the NFL is going to be around 50 years from now. You know, those teams are going to be playing. Um, but when I think about Rainbow Six Siege or when I think about Dota 2 or League of Legends, I'm like, how much life do those those games have in them? And and you have a ton of investment, a ton of people who are dedicated their entire lives to being a great player, being a great caster, being a great like play by play, you know, caster or whatever, or, or just you know analyzing, doing statistics. Um, you know, you have like physiotherapists specifically focusing on people with repetitive stress injury, like at their keyboards playing Counter Strike all day. Um, so it really got me thinking about like what happens when again like a region just doesn't have the players to support a league or a game starts to lose viewership or starts to fall out of favor for whatever the new hotness is you know just thinking about like watching stuff on twitch this summer it was like fall guys is the new hot thing then it was uh, among us and now it's phasmophobia and you know that that could just be a covid thing and people are trying to find an outlet to like hang out and be social with each other. But, but it, I think we also see this with esports as well, where like counter-strike is, is the hot shit. And then it's just like, well now it's league of legends and, and, you know, Dota has a big tournament. So it's, it's hot for a minute. Um, so, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm just very curious on, on like what everyone's thoughts are about like esports in general and like what, what their life cycle is and whether that's something that we should be worried about. Like, like, do we want Le uh, League of Legends or Counter-Strike to be a hockey or a soccer and and have like a 50-year lifespan? Or is it fine that it'll be hot for 10, 20 years and then it like rotates out to the next thing? Ted, what do you think? I mean, yeah, it's kind of a tough call. Esports is, I mean, the only thing similar with sports and esports is just sports. Like there's, esports is new games coming out all the time that could potentially be something that people become like professional players at. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's like a, a bad thing. I think it's just kind of like if people are falling out of a game and it's, it's not as popular anymore, then, you know, something that's better down the line is going to fill that gap. And I mean, I realize that people spend a, like, you know, their, their lives perfecting this game and getting better at it. But I don't know. I, if you look at like FPS, games i mean shooters can be pretty similar in a lot of in a lot of ways and yep. there can be room to pivot um but i don't even know what point i'm trying to make here it's just that I, I think it's not a bad thing i think it's a good thing that 
there is such a variety of games and games that are still being you know put down the pipeline that are available to be a new esport i guess and that people yeah. are interested in watching yeah yeah for sure like like obviously you have you know big call of duty streamers or uh counter strike pros who will sometimes jump from game to game because again they have a skill set that is pretty easily transferable um but uh didn't but- a bunch of didn't a bunch of cs people move over to valorant when it came out yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah david david what, what were your thoughts on on this whole thing um i mean you, specifically to your question of like should we be concerned about this no, we don't need to be concerned about this. There's always going to be some, right? Like, there's always going to be something for us to watch out there. Um, but all of this, all of this is still so new, you know. Um, like, I know that there's been, there has been, you know, pro league games around for a long, long time. But I would say it's only in the last few years that it's really reached this kind of like, you know, kind of cultural touchstone of like now, now grandma knows about, you know possibly pro league league of legends right like they've heard of it kind of a thing you know um so it's definitely on the rise and and yeah like i think it's been a few years now and some of these games are getting less and less popular and that's what the question is going to be and and i think i think you guys have nailed it i think that what you're going to see from pro players from teams is that they're going to if they want to make a career out of this like really make some kind of long-term career out of this they're not going to be able to focus on being good at cs or rainbow six or valorant they're going to need to focus on being you know an amazingly flexible fps player right right and and that's going to be how they have to um maintain uh their career going forward and there's going to be real decisions uh you know a gamble really on when a new game comes out um you know, whether or not you jump ship, whether you move over, like what a Valorant peters out in a few months, right? Mm-hmm. You know, all those people, those people made probably good decisions. They're like, well, okay, CS, you know, there's a lot of people playing CS right now and Valorant coming out, that's an opportunity for a player to move into an, un, you know, a relatively new game and kind of create a big, they got more room to maneuver in there and more room mm-hmm. to kind of make a bigger name for themselves. Um but you are making a gamble that, you know, Valorant may or may not stick around or may or may not get its hooks in people like CS has and not have that longevity. And so, you know, you don't want to be having to come back to CS after, yeah. you know, taking a break and going on to Valorant. And and you're going to see more decisions like that. And even then, like a lot of the pro league franchises, um, from like a franchise view not from a player view they have teams in all kinds of games mm-hmm. right like i i know g2 for instance had, they have a rainbow six team they have a league team they have a cs team that right yeah. they have valorant too as well they have cs and valorant right and so i think you're going to start seeing it's going to be less i think about the games and more about the franchises yeah the team franchises yeah i i you you brought up a few things i i have two points that that you just sort of like tweaked in my head. The first, I, I, I totally agree. Franchises, they have a, a ton of irons in a lot of fires because they, they've already done this calculus and they've realized, oh, when this game loses popularity, like our revenue there is going to dry up. So we need to ensure that we ha- are tapping into what's new, what's hot, where we're signing, you know, like I, I can't like one, I think FaZe just signed like a chess champion 
because he's big on Twitch playing chess. So he's like the first person signed to an esports e- e- org. Um, wow. So yeah, so they're really diversifying. And and you're right. That's, you know, that's really the shotgun approach to esports <laughs> yeah. e- investment. Yeah. Just fuck who out who out here is playing tic tac toe? Let's get this shit. <laughs> um, and, and the other the other point that that I thought about is like you see the same thing with. Twitch broadcasters and YouTubers, right? Where like a new game comes out and they have to sort of do the math about like, do I sort of not jump ship or sometimes it is, do I jump ship from this game to this other game in the same genre? That is the new hotness, right? Like I'm a battle Royale streamer. I've been playing PUBG for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Warzone is looking really cool. It's, it's gaining viewership. Do I jump and go full time as a Warzone content creator Ubisoft just puts out a new uh, Battle Royale, Hyperscape. Everyone was super hot about Hyperscape for like a weekend. You know, like what if you all of a sudden said, I'm a Hyperscape streamer, y'all, and then that game doesn't do well. Like what What the fuck Wait, do you do? is that game out? I, I, don't, I don't know. Is it? Maybe? I feel like it had a very long beta access period, and I don't even know if it's oh. live. It must okay. be, right? I don't know. Um. But but it is well, if it is ugh, yeah exactly, we don't know exactly so. you know that it's so so that's the, that's I think the 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 point that I was trying to make is just like it sometimes it can be a huge gamble um I don't know do we, do we have any any more thoughts Ted did you have any any final thoughts on you know FPS people like having to jump ship to to different games yeah. or like just the longevity I mean, of it the guy that comes to mind is is Shroud when he was like on C9 and he was like a, an absolute phenomenal CS player, mm-hmm. but that it wasn't CS that he was phenomenal at. He was, he's amazing at just shooter games in general. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think he also had enough of a following that he was able to jump ship, go streaming full time. And then basically every first person shooter that was on the front page of Twitch, he could play. He just was the best at it. And yeah. he always, and his, his growth just, extrapolated from that and he was he like he's gonna be you know raking in cash like crazy forever um but i mean i guess not everyone has like the streamer personality so i mean or or the following or the cachet yeah yeah exactly so i mean like i we've covered this a million times already but if it's the base skills that matter more it's less about the franchises and like the specific game you're playing it's the skills that you have to play that game that can be transferable to other games that you can hopefully you know pivot to part of me is sad because like there are certain esports that i i absolutely love like i i love the dota scene um some of the people in it less so but you know like when there's a big tournament i'm i get excited um Mm. and you know a couple years from now i don't know if dota is going to be as big of a thing as as it is and like i don't know if valve is going to support it for i think man i think dota is just going to get bigger and bigger Really? Like, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to drop off like mm. anytime soon. Because I mean, even just thinking like the other night when my I was talking with my sister, we we're having a couple of drinks, and she's like, "Wow, like esports is getting like a major thing. Like people are really playing video games these days. And like when it's on her radar, like video games are on <laughs> her radar. That means like they are a fucking institution in yeah. you know in the world right now." Yeah, and I think it's almost kind of a generational thing where people like younger people are being exposed to video games and they're growing up and they're, they're like, wow, I could actually potentially be really good at this game and make money at it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think a lot of people are and more and more and more people are just getting into these competitive games 
And I don't know. I just think it's gonna gonna keep growing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's totally fair. Toyota, Toyota is trending down slightly on Steam. Is it? Yeah. Well, but I mean, if it's trending down, it's still having well over five hundred thousand <laughs> concurrent players. Yeah, so, you know, and, and, but and, like. And to they're, be fair, they're down from 1.2 million. Yeah. So. And, and to be fair, like yeah. uh, because of COVID, like the, the big international tournament was postpo- postponed. So like that mm. usually brings a lot more players in, generates a lot of hype, brings back old players. So it, it, I think for this, Rainbow Six, Rainbow Six is on. If you look at the charts here, Rainbow Six is on the rise, but they have huge, like huge spikes around the Invitational. Right. right? That That's when you get this ramping up because they're pushing all their advertisement. They're doing that and yeah. you get, you get the big spike and then you have that slow downward trend, which is usually the engagement you get off of a game launch. Mm-hmm. Right. But now that we're doing all these games as a service, long-term things, you need to, they need to invest in things that spike that player base before it trends down again. Yeah. Right. For it's sure. Just the natural order of games. Like you yeah. always end up having, uh, players just trail off unless you're doing things like, the invitational yeah well and also like, doing things like overwatch 2 where people are like oh it's the new overwatch oh it's right. still cool got it i'm gonna yeah. keep playing this oh exactly. I, can, I can still play with my friends even though they don't have overwatch 2 they have overwatch yeah. and that's that's cool we can still play together yeah yeah, yeah for sure so maybe the the dota 2 like solution is dota 3 where it's <laughs> a very similar game but it's the new dota yeah you yeah. know we'll, we'll see if they ever do that um <laughs> anyways I think that's it for the news. Let's talk about some of the, the games that we're taking off the shelf, some of the stuff that we've been playing recently. Uh, Ted, why don't you tell me about Little Nightmares? Yeah, so we just, uh, that was our last game in our little indie game book club that we started during this whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, this is something that you do with with your friends back home? Yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends back in Alberta, we all hang out on Discord, play games together, and we started up like it's like a book club, but indie games basically. And every month we just come up with like a new indie game that, you know, maybe none of us have heard about. And uh we all fired up. And yeah, so Little Nightmares was on our on our list. Very cool game. Very cool atmosphere. Uh definitely there were a lot of like points of suspense where you're just like, oh my God, this like creepy ass giant chef is chasing me under a sink and i don't know there's a lot of you play like a little miniature person or a character yeah yeah i i didn't really delve into the lore of the game so i don't know like what i am supposed to be but basically i'm just this this tiny little person in a raincoat uh running around a like a hellscape of a like (laughs) I, i think you're in a ship actually and um yeah there are big scary human beings not wanting you to be alive and it's it's more or less a puzzle game you have to find out how to get past these characters how to get past you know certain levels uh of the place that you're in but yeah i just i thought it was really cool it was definitely an interesting take on like a suspenseful i'd say borderline horror game um yeah i i really liked it it was it was super fun so um Sorry, breaking news. David just told me Hyperscape <laughs> is on season two. <laughs> oh, fuck. They're on, they're on season two of their content release. So, <laughs> um, so sorry, I, try, I tried to look up their current players, but they don't track Ubisoft. Yeah. Anyway, um, continue. 
just get, getting back to Little Nightmares. So, Ted, would you call it like a puzzle platformer type game? Like, is it sort of similar yeah, to like exactly. a Little Big Planet or something like that? Yeah, it's actually. I don't know if you're queuing me up for this, but it's actually the a lot of the same developers from Little Big Planet were on board oh, for Little Nightmares. Interesting, I didn't know that. That's, uh, that's super cool. Yeah, so that's why there's a lot of similarities in those kinds of like style of game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good. It's like yeah, it's like a horror puzzle platformer. Don't get caught by the big, you know, shitty humans. Yeah, is is it like a uh, Silent Hill like? shock you out of your seat type horror or is it just like oh shit, that's um, kind of creepy and, and spooky it's more like uh, i'm trying to think of like specifically what kind of horror it is it's definitely like a tim burtony kind of horror like there's some very like stylized scary parts of that game um but no i wouldn't say it's anywhere near like silent hill where it's just like there's a person walking around in a bag of skin like it's not that scary <laughs> But okay. it's like definitely suspenseful. It's just like gen- that generally generally creepy vibe, yeah. but not like yeah. outright. Yeah, it's not outright. Out you. It's just like yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of creepy. You stay away from that guy because he's trying to eat you. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's too much more for me to say about it without spoiling anything. But it, it's definitely worth getting, especially if you can find it on sale. Like it's mm. really well designed game. I thought it was really good. Cool. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Uh, David, uh, tell me about Gears 5. This is your Gears 5 check-in, because I know you talked about this uh, a few weeks back. Yes. So I talked about it briefly last time because I kind of got just into Act 2, and I finished it now. I played the whole thing. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I, I highly recommend it, um, especially if you have Game Pass. Um, you if you have game pass, you should definitely play that game because it's just, I I think it took me like 10 or 12 hours total to beat it. Um, and it's, it was great. It was super fun. Basically start to finish. Um, I remember last time I was talking about how it turns into an open world game. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, that's not <laughs> quite what happens. It, it's more like, it's more like, cause the first act is four acts. The first act is, very you know you're typical you know there's two chapters in it and it's like very linear like you're you are going through very pretty hallways but hallways yeah of a kind and then act two and three are these open world kind of hubs that i'll explain in a second and then act four the final act is another just kind of two missions back to back that again are you you play them start to finish there's no like exploring or anything like that um these hubs you're in this like open area and you have this like really awesome it's actually it's super fun to uh, drive around but it's this like kite sailboat thing because you're on land but you're using it like this this right, kite right. and you just go ripping across uh in act two it's this frozen tundra in act three it's like this red sand like mars kind of desert area um each hub has like three or I think one of them had four main missions um, that you complete. And of course that's what pushes the story forward. And then on your way to those missions, you can find these side missions. Um, And the side missions is where you'll get components and stuff that you use to upgrade your little, your little droid that your little floaty guy that follows you around. And like, that's actually what most of your abilities are is him. Like he's got a flashbang or like a stim or a thing that makes you invisible and that kind of, and you, by doing all those extra things, you'll fully upgrade him Mm -hmm. um so you don't have to do them but it's also you know 
there's only like five side missions for every three main mission and they're on the way and pretty fucking obvious where they are right, so it's right. like y- you might as well do them and like i did everything in that game or, or i did everything that i found i didn't get like every single like little collectible but i definitely got all the upgrades for the jack and it was you know a, a, like i said i think around 11 hours to complete it yeah. um so yeah, I, and I'm I'm really glad it was that because as soon as it became, I kind of wanted it to just be like a linear shooter. And then when I saw that it was open world, I was like, man, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> like, I was I was hoping to get away from like the endless like, oh, you can do anything in yeah, this yeah. game. And I just wanted like an experience that I could just like play start to finish in like a weekend. And you can definitely do that with Gears Five. Like, okay. it's kind of nice that you get that opportunity to explore around a bit and and kind of and of course one of the things that they do while you explore around is there are seats on your little kite board and your squad mates will be there. And of course that's when a lot of like character dialogue happens is while you're in transit from one location to the other, very mass effect kind of thing. Right. Um, which is good. I, I actually, I liked the character. It was fun to listen to them talk. Um, some of the characters have like, you know, really good progression in them really good turnaround i actually i by the end i i felt like oh this is like this is my crew you know and you're going along with them and it's just like yeah "Yeah, i like these people it's fun which is good it always sucks when you've got like somebody in your crew that is annoying or that you hate listening to in a game you know so that that was really good yeah um do do you do you you need any sort of prior knowledge of the gears games to enjoy this one you so i would watch a video of gears 4 okay <laughs> just like a quick synopsis because there was some it was one of those things where i went and finished it yeah I, i'll start by saying one of my complaints about the game one of my complaints about the game is that i think it was four acts like i said an intro act two of the open world hub acts and then the finale act i think it could have had one more hub world act in there so it was like intro three hub worlds and then the final act because it, it pulled a Halo 2 on us where like the game ends and it's just like, now we know who our true enemy is and we'll fight them <laughs> next time in Gears 6. It's like, motherfucker, come on. <laughs> and so, it's, and, and, but the thing is, is like, I don't know that they could have done a third. I don't know that there's yeah. like enough story there that they right, couldn't right. have done a third act and another game kind of a thing. So, so like that may, it, I'll say this, it was good enough and I enjoyed it enough that I am, whenever Gears 6 comes out, I'm playing it. Like, I'll just say that right now. I'm going right. to be playing Gears 6. Okay. Um, and, which made me then want to go back and check Gears 4. And I guess you don't have to have knowledge, but then I watched Gears 4 and I was like, there's definitely a few times where I was like, oh, that's why that person fucking hates me. That right. makes sense. Okay. And, and so, like, I, I would watch it, like, just find some, you know, five to ten minute synopsis For on sure. YouTube and just watch that and then play Gears 5. Yeah. Um, I, I might do that with the first three games because if I'm not mistaken, I think Gears 4 is also on Game Pass. So I might just even play through yes. that too. I there. So there's definitely, I think if you do that, you're going to understand a lot of like, they kind of, you end up going back to a lot of places in the original trilogy. Okay. But you don't have to know what they are. Like they, they don't make your, it'll, if you play it, it'll be like a good nostalgia hit, but like you definitely, for the purposes of this game, you didn't need to know what these things were. Right. Okay. Um, speaking of those places, the environment art, it, I said it last time and I'll say it again. The environment art in that game is off the fucking chain. It is a gorgeous game. Start to finish mm-hmm. the amount of environment assets they have. I'm telling you, the amount of individual, like unique 
3D assets they have in that game is fucking crazy. Usually in games, they do like a lot of, they'll make like a set of like 25 different, just like random items that you put on desks and shit. And, and this one, it's like completely every area had its own like unique set of assets. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was so cool. Um, Um, Yeah. I actually, um, I think I interviewed one of the lead artists on gears uh like ages ago for like a university thing that i was doing uh i think his name was sean sherwin uh really nice guy really great interview with him uh but he described to me that in like this metaphor about making games uh has stuck with me this entire time he basically said like making games is like trying to bake a cake with like 200 people and everyone has Mm -hmm. their own idea of what cake is and what cake looks like and tastes like and like as you're building it and as you're baking it, you're, it's like you're sort of iterating each time as you go along. And you're just like, mm, mm, uh, that that's not quite chocolate cake. Let's let, let's try a different ingredient. Let's try doing a different recipe. <laughs> and like, oh yeah, okay, that's a little bit closer to what chocolate cake is. And then finally, you get sort of very very close to the end of uh, a game's life cycle, and you're just like, ah oh, yes, that's what chocolate cake is. We all here agree that this is what chocolate cake is. Now we can ship and it. And then somebody in the back goes. Fucking should have made vanilla. I'm just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I always thought we should. Have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that uh, that I can I can identify with that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways. Halfway through, somebody's like, "Oh, chocolate! Oh, oh, chocolate! Oh, I used to go to the store. I did not get chocolate." Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, Gears Five sounds super cool. Um. I'm I'm excited to check that out. Um. I highly recommend playing it. The the there's about the one other I one more thing I want to talk about. There's like a bunch of things in it that are just like total set piece, not difficult gameplay at all. It's just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. But it's such an awesome spectacle that I just didn't even care. Like there's mm-hmm. it, it's it's awesome. Like there's some real amazing set pieces in that. Go play it, especially if you have Gears 5 or sorry, especially if Game Pass is what I mean to say. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, man, one of my, one of my favorite game trailers of all time, I think was gears of war three, the one where it's mad world where he's running through the streets. That was, uh, that was, that was the original. One. Yeah. That's that one. The first. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was, it was also famous because it was one of the first game trailers that was able to use like the fidelity had gotten to the point where they were able to use just the in-game f- footage and assets mm-hmm. as the trailer. Mm-hmm. Right, like there's nothing, there's nothing like made for that. Tra- well, I'm, you know, they set up the trailer, but like all of it was in in-game assets, and it was one of the first to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, super cool. Uh, real quick, um, because we got a lot of games to talk about. David, t- talk about the COD Blops Cold War. Fuck, this title is so bad. Call of Duty <laughs> Black Ops Cold War open beta. Would it be a Call of Duty game if you didn't have to think for just a second about how to say the name? <laughs> Um, God, uh, it's super fucking fun. Like I, I had way more fun with that beta than I thought I was going to. I don't know what they've done. I would need to play it a lot more to understand it, but the guns handle differently in that game than they do in modern warfare. Like it just feels a lot different to shoot guns Mm -hmm. and to play that game than it does in modern warfare. And I think it's way better. Like I'll put it this way. I was, I switched to my pistol and started using that. Not because I needed to grind out pistol kills, because it was actually just fun to play with the pistol. Huh. It was actually just fun to use like a default pistol and try to kill people with it. It was a good time. Nice. Um, and yeah, there's the uh, 
I don't know if they have the they have some it seems like they're new game modes or maybe I just didn't play enough of of like the modern warfare game modes but they have a couple new ones that are really fun the maps are super fun the desert map I think it's called satellite is absolutely 100% a remake of a halo 3 map and I just <laughs> thought of it right now and I need to find out what that is yeah. because it's absolutely a remake of a halo 3 map but okay. the one um, with the elephant no, it's uh, it's not Sand Trap. It's the one... Okay, it's the one... Uh, it's a snowy map. There's red base and blue base. It's relatively small. And the one side is all caves, and the other side is just open tundra. And if you go too far, there's a ring of turrets that'll kill you. Yes, yep. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's yep. that. It's that, but it's in the desert, and it's Call of Duty. Um, Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the, the other thing that they have different is that uh, your kill streaks are built up I, it's only multiplayer so i don't have anything to say about Warzone or zombies or anything like that but yeah um the kill streaks are built up with score in general not just kills so you don't necessarily have to be getting kills in order to earn your way up to them and it doesn't reset when you die so everybody is constantly building up to kill streaks um they're a little bit harder to or it takes a little bit longer to build up to them on average um but the way that they balance, so everybody is just popping killstreak rewards all the time, but there's a lot more ways to get rid of them. Like one of the barrels you can equip on any assault rifle just does an extra 250% damage to spy planes, or sorry, to vehicles yeah. in general. So like as soon as somebody would pop a spy plane, I would just look up and shoot it down with like three bursts from an M16, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, or and then there are other killstreaks that are specifically designed to just counter killstreaks. So like there's a killstreak you call in that is just patrolling fighter jets and they don't shoot the ground. But if anybody else tries to call in any airborne killstreak, the fighters right. will shoot it down. So there, there's way more killstreaks going off, but there's way more ways to counter the killstreaks if you're planning for it. So it's interesting. It, it definitely, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it a lot, and yeah. because they're adding zombies, which I always enjoyed, and as much as I'm going to roll my fucking eyes every time Reagan's on the screen, I do actually really like Cold War fucking conspiracy shit. It's just yeah. super interesting and fun. So I, I'm yeah, I'm probably going to get that game. I think it's yeah. going to be it's um, going to be a fun game. Nice. Uh, fuck uh, fuck Ronald Reagan. Uh, but uh, yeah, one hundred percent fuck Ronald Reagan. I'm very interested to see what happens with Warzone. Uh, obviously, that is my bread and butter. And the fact that uh, a Call of Duty game is one of my most played games in 2020 is fucking news to me, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you told me that last year, I would have called you a liar. Um, but it hmm. is... It's it's a fun mode. It's really addicting, and and I'm very curious to see what happens with Warzone once this new title comes out because it'll be interesting to see like how does that get supported moving forward year after year when they're still putting out a new game that you pay for every year with a campaign and multiplayer and all that jazz. But I don't necessarily want to engage with that stuff. I just want to engage with the free to play battle Royale because I enjoy it so much. And yeah, maybe I'll kick him a few bucks every now and then for a battle pass, but that is what I care about. So I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with that. Once we get closer to launch, if um, Warzone became pay to play, would you buy it? 80 bucks? Oh, Christ, how much 80 bucks? Yeah, that's how much I paid for the game. Ugh. Yeah, the game game's eighty bucks for sure. Eighty bucks Canadian. I, okay, I, I, don't don't um, I will, I'll say fifty bucks because that's like maybe how reasonable. much you're getting out of it. Um, potentially. 
potentially, I think. But it, but if it was fifty bucks plus battle passes, I think I'd be way more upset. Right. Um, I mean, it's eighty bucks plus battle passes. Right <laughs> yeah. <now>. So like a <laughs> like hundred and twenty uh, if you want the ultimate edition plus battle yeah. passes. Oh, jeez. So I don't think the ultimate edition gets you the battle pass. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that that'll happen. I think they would be stupid to make Warzone uh, pay to play because it has brought so many people to that game. I imagine the conversion rate for people who are either buying cosmetics or battle passes or like buying the full game afterwards after trying Warzone. I imagine those numbers are pretty high. Um, That's what I did. I I got Warzone for free and I was like, oh, this is fun. I want to play the campaign and multiplayer. So I bought it. Totally, totally. Um, Anyways, let's talk uh, Star Wars Squadrons, a game I did pay $50 for and kind of regret it. Um, so, oh, wow, wow. Um, David, I, I know you're really, really hot on Star Wars Squadrons. We haven't had a chance to really talk about it or get into it yet. Um, Ted, have you, have you tried this yet? No, you can just leave me out of this one. I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, so, so Star Wars Squadrons is from, uh, I believe, Motive, uh, which is an EA mm-hmm. studio. Um, and it is i want to say a pretty good amalgamation of what people liked from the old tie fighter and x-wing games which were very like simulation pc focused games and rogue squadron which was more of an action console based series and and i think they've, they've done a really good job of like melding what those two audiences like out of a star wars uh, you know, dogfighting fighter pilot type game, and they they've come come together with a really interesting cohesive package. So so the crux of it, it is a five v five multiplayer game where you have different classes that you are utilizing. You have you know your support classes, your bomber classes, your uh, really fast attack fighter classes, um, and, and you you know obviously if you're working together in a five stack, you can coordinate and and really play off of each other and support each other. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I didn't like that aspect of it. Uh, I've been playing through the campaign. I want to say I'm probably three quarters of the way through the campaign. And that is a pretty typical Star Wars story uh, where mm-hmm. you play as both the, the, Re- the Rebels, or sorry, the New Republic and the Empire because it's set shortly after Return of the Jedi, uh, but, but way before The Force Awakens. Um, and it's, I don't know, it, it's fine. Like, I... I think the my, my biggest problem with it is that I, I'm I don't like the way it controls and the way it feels. Um, but David, how, how's about you talk and you tell me what you like about the game, and then we can get into the nitty gritty. Um, I don't know. I just I I really enjoyed it. It was it was really fun. Uh, I will give you that the story is um, fine. Right, like the plot of the story is fine. Yeah. Baseline Star Wars. Um, although that kind of that kind of just proves a point that I think a lot of people have come to that there's actually not a ton of meat in the Star Wars universe to make unique stories of. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like there is because it's like oh it's a whole galaxy. It's like it's not. It's like four people like. <laughs> that just happened to have access to laser swords and shit. Like there's not actually that much like extra. You can make really good gripping stories of the clone wars kind of gets a pass because you know, you're telling war stories. And so the conflict kind of naturally develops itself. But, um, in this one, it was like, okay, yeah, I get it. This is what happened like directly after 
Return of the Jedi sort sort of makes sense. Um, and the talking to all the they do they do a weird thing. It's funny, like you're asking me to defend it. I'm almost talking about what's bad about it too. But um, <laughs> uh, the talking to the the characters i think it's hard to get into the story of that game because it was very very obviously developed for vr mm-hmm. um and so when you're getting exposition from the characters boy are you walking up to somebody and just getting three solid minutes of exposition about their character yeah like uninterrupted no back and forth with your character at all you're just talking to them and they're just like you walk up to them and they're just like so I guess you've heard about me. My family's Imperials. It's just like, okay, <laughs> hi. Okay, like, nice to what? know you and meet you. <laughs> like, you, you know, and and they do all the, t- the rebels are all, like, they have every typical rebel that you'll ever run into, right? Yeah. It's like the one girl who's just like, you know, my 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 family still work for the Empire, but, you know, and, and I heard, suppose you've heard people telling rumors about them. Just like, literally every person here was in the Empire at some point. Like, it's not a big deal. It's fine. Like, why are yeah. you upset? But, you know, you have the one person who's like a little bit force sensitive and then you have the other person who's a bit of a yeah. grifter and like, oh, you were kind of a scoundrel, but now you're working for the man. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like, OK, <laughs> OK, Rebels, I see you. Yeah. Like, and then and then the Imperials honestly end up being more interesting somehow just because like. It's very rare. Usually the typical Star Wars thing, not to get into spoilers, but the typical Star Wars thing in every Star Wars thing, like Battlefront 2 would be an example of this, is like, you're going to play as the Imperials and we're going to let you know what it's like to be on the bad side. And like two missions in, they they turn tail and become rebels anyways. That yeah, was they, the whole they Battlefront They super thing. quick. Yeah. I'll give it to them. The Imperials in this game are fucking Imperials. And boy, are they the bad guys. And boy, do they love telling you about all the benefits of fascism. And it's just like, oh, okay, guys, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's weird because it's it's the game, like, it does this weird thing where, where they try and, like, include a lot of representation. So, like, if you make a character, you have a lot of different uh, skin types to pick from and, and like, you know, so you can be a man or a woman and like, you know, y- you can really try and model someone after yourself. The, the customization isn't super, super deep, but they try and have representation there. Right. And they also do that with like the empire, but like, yeah. you know, the empire are a bunch of fascists and like, just because you have a bunch of women and a lot of like people of color, like that, that kind of detracts from the fact that like, you know, in the original films and books, it's just like, no, they were just a bunch of white dudes who were all fucking fascists. All white. It's all white dudes. Yeah. And, and like, there's no aliens though. Yeah. That's how they're racist. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. No aliens. Um, And like to the, to the point that they, um, and this, this is a very minor point and it is not a plot point at all, but one of the Imperial, uh, one of the Imperial, uh, your Imperial squad mates is gay. Mm-hmm. And they just like slip that in like it is literally blink and you'll miss it like um, mention of like he talks about, you know, you know, the, him and some other guy are talking about, you know, what they're going to do after the Empire finally crushes the rebellion. It's just like, you know, me and my, and he just says uh, me and my husband are going to find some far away, you know, right. planet and just settle down. And it's just like. <laughs> So you're you're really like try yeah trying to make them like positively representative <laughs> for people that are definitely fascists trying to murder everybody like yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, a it's, weird... it's definitely definitely weird um and, and like I think my my biggest problem with Star Wars I I, I kind of came to this real, realization playing this game and and watching some of the more recent cartoons and stuff is like 
Star Wars never grew up with its audience, um, and they never took huge risks on what they could do with that property. They, they're just like, Star Wars has to be for everyone, so it has to be approachable and digestible by everyone. And I was thinking about like a series like Batman, where like Batman has so many different permutations. You have your Batman Saturday morning cartoons, like something like the Brave, Brave and the Bold, and the which is yeah, yeah, which is really really like you know for six year olds. And then you have like the Dark Knight or like really fucked up horror comics with Batman. You know, it's like the the width and breadth of what you can do with that franchise is really interesting, and they have taken really interesting creative risks. And so like what I wanted was like my Wraith Squadron novels brought to life where it's just like, Hey, this is a gritty war book about people dealing with, uh, you know, a, a really terrible conflict. Um, and what I'm getting is gee golly shucks. Let's go fight the empire. And, and I'm kind of like, gee golly shucks. Let's go perpetuate fascist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like when I was, when I was 12, I would gobble that shit up, but like I'm 35, you know, it's like the, the series mm. has, hasn't taken, I think enough risks for me. Um, I mean, and, it's a Disney property. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not, not going, going to. to. Yeah. yeah. It yeah, is. Yeah. Abs- it has to be for everyone because they want everyone to buy it. Yeah. Um, right. So, so, so let's actually talk about like the, the, the game, game, game. Itself. So the game, game, game. I, the things about the um, campaign that I really liked were the missions themselves. I was really afraid when this game came out that it was going to be, if there was, you know, eight missions in the campaign, that it was going to be their fleet battle multiplayer mode eight times, but just with like dialogue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't end up being that every mission is unique. You are doing a, a specific thing. Um, some of which is like kind of weird and hard. Like you're, you have to protect like a couple of asteroids that are floating. So it's like, are you going to do that as a fighter interceptor and try to kill all of the, you know, incoming, uh, x-wings at this point you're the empire um or are you going to go in and with like your support craft and and you're gonna let you're not gonna necessarily engage the tie fighters but you're gonna be like dropping shields on these things you need to protect and and putting turrets everywhere because you can do that and so like there is some like there are some like really fun i think unique moments in that campaign i think it could have been longer um but storyline wise, there wasn't any way they could have made that longer. So, you know, it, what, and what, what I, I, did... I get what you're saying about steering, like the controls. I think that they imply in the advertisements, I think that they implied that there was going you're going to have a little bit more like unique control over your fighter than you do. The fact that you can't really yaw is weird. Mm-hmm. to me and i would expect you to be able to do that like in the campaign they teach you how to drift i think i've drifted on purpose once yeah ever right and the drift isn't even a drift it's it's just a way it is useful i guess if you do it but it's it's a way for you to fly in one direction and if you perform this maneuver after a couple seconds you will end up having made a complete 180 degree yeah. turn along your same trajectories which is useful but like only kind of because usually once somebody has you in their sights you're the only way to survive that is by breaking line of sight. Mm-hmm. You're not by turning around and trying to shoot at them because they've already started shooting first. You're not going to win that fight. Yeah. Uh, um, I, th- I think my, 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 my biggest issue is that it is a game where you are stuck in your cockpit view and that's fine. But like, I don't think a controller is best for that. And I also don't think like um, the, like your, your um, situational awareness 
is really shitty and you really have to fly off of your instruments because you are mm-hmm. spinning and maneuvering so much that like the background is moving so quickly that like unless you are following the indicators for your allies and your enemies like those are the only things that you're looking at so it's like it's less like i'm playing a game in space and more like i'm playing a simulator where i'm just trying to you know like right. like score hits or whatever so so i like i i feel like claustrophobic in the cockpits often and and like like those limit your your line of sight which is obviously like part of the simulation but but i feel like what i wanted was was something more akin to like a, a arcadey rogue squadron and what i got was more simmy and and, mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why i bounced off of it see and that's one of the reasons why i like it i like that you don't have the third person view that you actually have to rely on your instruments it took me i had this like uh, aha moment one time when i finally figured out how your radar works i just had a completely incorrect assumption about like how you interpret the data on your radar and once i figured it out i was like oh i get what's happening here and now i I was able to completely like chase people down and figure that out entirely but you're right like it is claustrophobic and it is difficult to see which is why i think again like it's very much made for VR, because there are definitely times when I'm in my X-Wing and I'm like following, I'm pulling up to follow somebody and be like, God, it would be great if I could just do this. Yeah. You know, just and just quick. like yeah. look up at them because they're there. They're like just off screen and they're right there. And like you have to be working, you have to be like very cognizant of what you have selected as your target. And um, on the targeting computer, you'll see what angle or what their orientation is mm-hmm. in relation to you. And if you're using that and you have map knowledge, you can you can think about how you can use the level design to actually cut them off and get in front of them or get like line into the slot behind them and, and actually finish them off. And there is there's a lot of like level design knowledge and map knowledge there. Um, and just like having to trust your instruments that I really enjoyed. I like that there I liked that the blinders were on mm-hmm. in, in in some way and you just had to like you had enough time and you had the information in front of you. You just had to make the right decisions about it. And the decisions that you make once you get into, start getting into manipulating subsystems and stuff are simple. Like it's just button flicks, right? You're just flipping switches. It's not like you have to make some, you know, combo like in a fighting game, but making the right decision about like, Oh, I have somebody behind me and I flip my, you know, X-Wings shields to, to double back and then swap it to swap power to shield so that it starts building an overshield. And then I turn around, flip it to double front with the overshield attached, switch it to my overcharged weapons and just start blasting into the right. Like yeah. knowing when to do that and, and like executing that is an incredibly satisfying feeling. And mm-hmm. and it's moments like that that kept me coming back to the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll put more time into it. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to give it a, a more of a fair shake, get through the campaign, play some more multiplayer. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm I do have a little bit of buyer's remorse. Um, but uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if it, it doesn't necessarily sound like that they're going to do a ton of support with it. Like, I, like I don't think they're planning I any don't major think expansions. They are. Um, this is something that I think genuinely started as not maybe not an internal game jam, but it was definitely a small team of people that mm-hmm. said please, we're just going to do this. And they kind of showed off a demo internally and somebody latched onto it and they kind of, that kind of snowballed out into a bigger game. But I don't think it was, I think it ended up being, you know, like mode of working on it and a bigger team, but I don't think it started out as a huge team. And it's, it, I think it is definitely 
kind of content light, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> right now. Um, it, I, yeah, the, there definitely could have been a little bit more meat to it, like I said, in the campaign. Um, maybe some more modes, um, but there are certainly, I think that they put their effort in where they knew it would make the most difference and that's in the components that you have and like making the ships actually feel and handle unique and different um sure. and focusing on just like really polishing that fleet battle mode which has a little bit of subtlety to it as well and in, in like the way that you attack and what order you attack in and, and how you work with your team and so there could be more of it but what there is there i think for me anyway, from my perspective and what I wanted out of the game was, was well polished and, and pretty well balanced so far. So yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, let's get Ted back in this convo. Let's talk about Hades. Hmm. Ted. I saw him just drinking whiskey and texting in the corner. That was, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ted, I think you're muted. What's, uh, what's up with Hades? Yep. Sorry. Um, what's up with Hades? <laughs> that is such a great game. Holy Holy hell! I uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about it before I like get into the thick of no, it? No, I, I mean we, we've talked about it. Uh, you know, a couple weeks already now. You know, it's it's from Supergiant. It's their follow up to Bastion, Transistor, Pyre. I think we've we've gushed about it. We like I I've wouldn't shut up about it. Chisulo won't shut up about it. We got Meg <laughs> playing it. She won't shut up about it now. Um, it's a now really it's great our action turn, game. Ted. Now, now we get to turn. not shut up about it. So, now so, so, we get to not shut up. Yeah. So, so tell me, Ted, what, what, what did you think about it? Man, I like, I got it because um, I had that like Rocket League coupon thing on Epic. I don't know if any of you guys got that as well. Mm-hmm. No? Okay. Well, damn. Anyways, I got Hades. It was on discount. Um, but I'd also heard a lot of good things about it. So I was like, hey, this, you know, could use some money. And man, I definitely drew some girlfriend aggro because I stayed up way too late playing it one night. <laughs> she came into the office and just gave me the like, you said you were coming to bed an hour and a half ago. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? But you're trying to romance um, these hot gods, obviously. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. As I'm simping for Aphrodite as her character is <laughs> on my screen. Um, Aphrodite, fuck me up, Aries. Let's go. Yeah, Aries. yeah. On a punch. Punch, punch, punch. Yeah. Uh, I just, we were talking about this, John, over text, but just the the amount of effort that it went into uh, making death uh, an integral part to that game, where you're not pissed off when you die on a run, even if it's a great run, you're still excited with all the gains that you got from that run and what you can do to, uh, like, upgrade your character so that the next run is better and easier and more fun. Yeah. Yeah. that was a huge thing that I really liked about that game. Um, obviously, the art style is amazing. The gameplay is is super tight. The graphics very tight. Yeah, um, the, the art is incredible on, on like top to bottom. Like the the character design, like the level design, the art is just stunning. Yeah, seriously, and yeah, I every part of that game just just signaled high effort, and they really gave a shit about you know how they wanted that game to look. Um, I took a break from it because I was getting pretty addicted, but I, I finished, I, I beat the game, I guess I won't spoil anything, but I beat the game once. Um, and I've yet to get back into it. Maybe try some new weapons, um, some different strats, but yeah. Oh man. So, so I've, uh, I had my seventh clear this morning and 
every time I'm just like trying new weapons, new combos, new uh, boons from the gods, you know, different upgrades for your weapons. I'm like strategizing differently because the, uh, you know, uh, again, we, I think we talked about this the last episode, but like the game does really, really cool things where like you think you've you've mastered a system or like you've gotten to the end of something and it's just like oh well why don't you try this Here, here's a new little thing a new little wrinkle or a new system that you can try to keep things interesting so that like because you are technically going through the same levels you know in the early game over and over and over again they keep adding things to make that interesting and new and exciting so uh, again, without spoiling anything, you can add complications to each of your run that give you better rewards, that that give you different challenges, and it keeps the game unique and fresh every fucking time. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish Yasulo was here because he he's seen credits, which he said he got after ten clears. So I'm, I'm I don't know if it was maybe something he did with the characters that got him that, or whether it is just like oh, clear it ten times and you'll see the credits. Um, hmm. But yeah, it is. It is really interesting how they how I I'm less I'm less like oh I want to just like master my run and I'm more like oh what happens with this character you know yeah like that that is what yeah. keeps me going. Uh, D- David, you you've been messing with Hades as well. What's uh what's on your brain? Oh, I've been messing with Hades. <laughs> um, yeah, the 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 it never feels like. With all the boons and stuff that you're getting, there are, with the boons and the weapons and all that stuff, there's so many different ways that you can play it. But the thing that I really loved about it is it doesn't feel like like all of them are kind of a good choice. It's mm-hmm. just a different choice, right? Yeah. There's no min-maxing. You're just maxing. Like, that's it. <laughs> and you're just... Like, you might be better or worse at some combinations just because of the way that you like to play the game. But... But everything you do is just different and it makes you feel that much more powerful. And you just it's fun to find out the unique twists that you're going to add onto your gameplay by, you know, pick, picking certain things and, and, and going through a playthrough. Um, I haven't completed a run yet, um, so I'm very excited to do that. I'm going to I'm I'm going to be picking it up after this. I got it on Switch um, nice. uh, and it plays it's it's awesome on the switch it plays mm-hmm. perfectly one of the things i love about the session the session of it is that you can you can definitely just like play that game for 10 minutes or you can play it for four hours yeah. right like and because you can suspend it on the switch i'll definitely just like put it down and pick it up again and and it's just it's there it's now the thing constantly running in the background on my switch is just 80s yeah for sure. um it's so gorgeous. And I mean, like, we, we should just expect that from Supergiant Games now. All their games are gorgeous. The voice acting is great. The music, the music is great. Yeah. Uh, they usually write. Um, it's funny because, like, you you don't get a ton of every character. At least I haven't yet gotten a ton of interaction with every character. But even, like, they just write characters so well. Even just, like, the little bit that you'll get from it. Like, a little blurb from one of the gods the first time you see them. And, like, boom, you immediately know what kind of character they are and what they're about. Yeah, and, so much and personality. Just get, yeah. They, yeah, they just give you, immediately give you such a vibe of, like, what they are. And, and they're just so good at that. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, the the thing about this, uh, you guys, you guys said it about like making the death loop feel really rewarding, and this is absolutely the first 
roguelike game that I've played where I haven't felt an immense amount of stress about dying. I, I loved games like like Dungeon of the Endless I really liked, but there's just so much stress. And when you died, it was always like, oh, okay, I mm-hmm. guess I'll start again. Yeah. You know, and, and like I did a few times because it was fun and it was interesting and engaging, but it always like there comes a point where you lose and you're just like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm done now. I can't, I can't go back to the beginning because the further and further you get, the worse that feeling is now, the further and further you get kind of the, the less you care because you, Oh man, I got so far this time. I got so much shit that I can, you know, Mm. spend and stuff. And it reminds me a lot of idle games. And (laughs) because that is basically the reward loop of idle games of the further you get, the more you get for resetting and you come back and that's, they've managed to take that aspect of idle games and put it on a game. That's like fun. So for sure. So yeah, I, it's, it's such a good, such a good experience. Um, and just to add on to like the the dying aspect of the game, every time you go back to the House of Hades, and there's a lot of like character character interaction moments mm-hmm. within that in that area, and I mean even specifically, there's one like Achilles is standing uh, over in the left corner, and you're like, oh, what's this Titan's blood thing about? He's like, oh, you can definitely use that for your weapons, but not yet. And you're like, <laughs> but when though? Like when should I do this? Yeah. So you want to keep playing the game just to kind of expand on these not only character moments, but like there are mechanics that I don't think I've experienced yet that I'd like to. Mm. Yep. And yeah, there's so many different like parts of that game that I'm just like, you did this so well. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's very addicting. And and like that that aspect of like, oh, what is this mechanic that I haven't explored yet? Um, that also comes from like the story as well. Like I'm I'm at a point where you're, you know, the training skeleton yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he he's kind of like a hey what's up guy i'm just here to get I'm hit by your weapons yeah um but i'm at a point now where i'm just like oh what's the deal with this guy no one quite knows what his 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 shtick is no one quite knows why he's here it's a little <laughs> bit mysterious and we're trying to figure it out and like what are his actual motives and like just the fact that they can do that with the training dummy in the weapon room is like a, yeah, I think a sure. testament to like like how well they have characterized and, and sort of woven in all of the interesting stories and side stories um, that that's, you know, not even talking about like the romance options and like not even romance, but like you, you basically can find a, a, a currency or like a material to like, like f- level up your friendship with people sort of like in Stardew Valley, how you like give people gifts that they like, and then you'll be- become better friends with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I'm going to say is keep fucking doing that because you get mechanical stuff from it. Like real good <laughs> gameplay shit from that, um, mm-hmm. and sure do, it, do, do it with everyone. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm curious, um, Ted, if you had like a favorite like weapon or boon type, or like like mechanically, like when you're doing your runs, is there something that you sort of favor or, or that you kind of go towards when when you're, you're you're doing your runs? Yeah, I mean the runs leading up to and also my like clearing of the game was the spear. Uh, I can't remember the name of the spear, but um, the major mechanic uh, that made that good for me was the backstab and the critical bonus to that. So any boons that I got that increased not only my critical chance, but also my backstab damage, I was just like, yep, getting that. Because yeah. the entire game, I was doing the the special where I like throw it, and then it like you recall it, and it backstabs them yeah. as it comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my like bread and butter and yeah, most of my friends have been using the, um, like the close up melee, like fists, 
Mm-hmm. I, I've Granted, had mo- that's I, very fun. I've had most of my clears with the fists, actually. Um, I, I haven't, I haven't unlocked the fists yet. Oh yeah, mm. some some of the weapons are really, really cool. And again, no spoilers, but like, once you think you've mastered the weapons, you have not mastered the weapons. There's more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, I've been using the shield a lot, and because you can bounce the shield between people, and then I'll put a whole bunch of Zeus stuff on it, so I throw it into a room. It bounces off a bunch of people, and as it bounces, it just projects lightning every at, at nice. all the people around where it hits. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'll have so to try it's that. great. It's great for. I find that a lot. The one of the toughest things to deal with is a lot of the smaller characters when they start to build up, mm-hmm. and because big guys they'll be tough, but you can always dodge them. Like it, when all else fails, you can just dodge the big heavy characters or like the bosses or whatever. But when too many of the little guys build up, that just fucks it up. So like I clear as many of the little guys as I can and then just whittle away at the bosses yeah. is um, usually how I go. But, but again, yeah. this sort of speaks to like how cleverly they, they have designed everything where like everyone can sort of have their own favorite approach mm-hmm. to the game. And like every time I start a run, I'm just like, what am I going to get this time? And, and I kind of like I'll pick my weapon and then. I'll start to build around it in a really interesting way that I, I probably haven't experienced before. And it changes again, every time how you play and how you approach that run to the point that you're sort of discovering like, Oh wait, maybe I actually do like the spear or, Oh wait, maybe mm-hmm. I haven't used the sword in a while. Maybe this is actually really good with this boon and this boon and this upgrade. And again, it's just super compelling and it, it really encourages, um, experimentation in in a really novel and rewarding way that i think is just like again a testament and what i can't even remember what i'm trying to say but like it is a it's good it's good it's it's testament to like how well and how expertly they designed and refined those mechanical systems Mm -hmm. um for sure just just to the point that like you know you're like oh all you know you got a lot of little enemies and they're shooting a lot of projectiles well maybe you should just get all the Athena boons and then you deflect everything. So you go into a room with people shooting yeah. a, a, like a bullet hell, shooting a million things at you just deflect all that shit back at them, get like boons that increase the deflect damage. And you just like dash around and clear it out. It's just like, there are so many cool options to, to get through and so many different new novel approaches that is just like, I don't know, like, like I could recommend this game to anyone. It's just like, it's yeah, so much fucking fun. Um, yeah, I find a lot of my runs kind of revolve around the Daedalus hammer upgrade. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if I get that hammer and then it's like, okay, what kind of build am I going to be like, that's like my foundation. I'm like, what can I build from like this major weapon upgrade that I'm going to get, which has been my experience so far, at least pro tip, pro tip, always prioritize the Daedalus hammer upgrades. Yeah. Oh yes. It, it was funny. We, um, Somebody, somebody on my on my missions team got uh, got a switch recently, and they're just like, so like, I'm pretty late to the switch game. What should I get? And like, it was like multiple people are typing, and then Hades, Hades, Hades. <laughs> Everybody just said Hades, and I think like in in one day, John, was it you who said like Hades slaps? I think you said that at some point. I'm, I'm but, like, say. yeah, like <laughs> y- you 
somebody in a random messenger chat and somebody, uh, one of the other mission designers in, in our mission chat, all in the same day said the phrase Hades slaps. <laughs> and it was just like, yep. That's, I guess it slaps. <laughs> all it all slaps. different conversations. Everybody's just like, yeah, this game is fucking, it's great. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is. I, I keep joking that like we can just have the game of the year conversation right now because like, we know That's how it. this is going to fucking yeah. go. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, anyways, let's, uh, let's uh, make some non-gaming recommendations real quick uh, before we close out the show. Uh, mine is actually like really, really serious and like, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, uh, but I think everyone should read this piece in Rolling Stone. It, it actually came out in August, but I only just uh, uh, got uh, wise to it recently. Uh, so Wade Davis is a, a Canadian. He's an anthropologist and a writer, uh, academic. Um, he actually came to, uh, or not came to my work, but was dialed into to a video conference at my work and, and sort of gave us a, a big lecture, um, which is really fascinating. Really, really smart guy. Uh, so he wrote this piece in Rolling Stone that kind of went r- viral called uh, "The Unraveling of America," and. Uh, I just think like any, any Americans listening to the show, please, please, please go read this before the election. Um, it is it basically, he makes the case for the fact that the experiment that is the American Republic is a failure. And, um, he has some very, very poignant things to say. So I just highly recommend everyone go check out this, this piece. It's a bit of a long read, but again, if you're an American, if you're going to be voting, you should be voting. If you're an American, uh, please read this before that um, and then do with it what you will. Um, so that is uh, The Unraveling of America by Wade Davis in Rolling Stone. Um, David, tell me about your show you want to recommend. So speaking of The Unraveling of America, if you want a comedic <laughs> take on that, watch the show Veep. <laughs> oh, I love that show. Because it is a descent. I, I binged it over the last week. It, you can watch it actually pretty quickly because there's only like there's seven seasons but there's only 10 episodes a season yeah um and they're like, so what, like get 20 30 minutes quickly. or something yeah they're they're not even that long yeah. so so you can get through it very quickly and it's um i mean it's just the the hottest it's it's american politics showing its worst face yeah. basically and them just kind of taking the piss out of it and um, so it really, and, and in the later seasons, you know, the last couple seasons came out like, you know, 2016, 2017. So I'm sure you can guess what sort of a twist those seasons took, um, mm-hmm. with, you know, what exactly they were making fun of. So it, um, yeah, it's just, you know, in a typical kind of like Seinfeld or Kirby or enthusiasm sort of way, it's just watching awful people be awful, but it's done in a very funny way so <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i would i would i would recommend this show i i had a really good time i had, I had a good week binging through this show I, I found myself you know continually coming back to it and just like a little bit addicted to it it's just these it is a descent into madness like yeah. watching the this the watching the first season versus the final season it is just it goes completely off the rails and <laughs> Yeah, you, you're watching America unravel, I guess. Yeah. In this, in this show, I think it's the most accurate portrayal of American politics I've seen on TV. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it is one of those things. I think that's like one of the reasons why it resonates so well is because it's hitting pretty close to yeah, home. Yeah, it's like depressing with some of the accurate. stuff that they yeah. do. You're like, oh, this is 
this is how they whip votes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is actually how they yeah. get things done. Like this is, it's a joke, but like also it's a joke. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, it's yeah. easy for us it's, to laugh. But laugh it, it Canada, is also but... just like, a, yeah, yeah, it is also a very good show. Speaking, speaking of Canada, us in BC, we do have an election going right now. So yeah, speaking yeah. of voting, go vote. not to let the American, yeah, not to let the American theater overshadow what's going on here but we we actually have we we canadians stop paying attention to that for like a week and like p- read up on your mlas yeah. Yeah. and vote for one of them and you feel you get a thousand dollars if you vote for them Sweet. <laughs> 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 um you can also vote by, by mail which is very safe and great and vote uh, by new okay and i did that it's very easy super you easy. can just go on to elections bc it might be a little bit late now, actually. I think it's but, like, um, but look it up. Go find your local voting center. It it'll be it'll be it's fine. Easy. Please go uh, vote. As, Please as, vote. As opposed to the U.S., where it's a joke and you have to like wait all day to vote. In Canada, you can vote in like five minutes. It's great. It's super easy. Barely an inconvenience. <laughs> go do it. Yeah. Um, yes. Ted, Ted, do you have anything you want to recommend before we uh, close things out? We uh, I got a Roomba and it's great. I don't have to vacuum. <laughs> uh, did, did, did you I name your Roomba? Sorry, say again? Did, did you name your Roomba? Thank you for asking. I did. Actually, Emily did. It's called Waclean Phoenix. <laughs> and he often gets stuck on cliffs. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> we'll, get the, we'll get a notification on our, on our uh, apps. And it'll be like, Waclean Phoenix is stuck on a cliff. Could please go reset him. <laughs> and he's just like stuck in like a garbage can. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, no, sorry, man. But yeah, it's great. I, I, saw, I saw a tweet today that uh, it was like, you know, me before COVID watching castaway it's like man how can you like befriend a ball that doesn't make any sense it's crazy it's like me me and covid oh Roomba, what are you doing you crazy <laughs> son of a bitch yeah. <laughs> exactly sometimes yeah. the cats will go uh like they started genuinely scared of of joaquin but now they're they're warming up to him and now they'll just go like sit on him to the point where their little assholes press clean and they start him like going around the room at like three in the morning. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Don't sit uh, on the. Don't sit. Cat on. can find a way to be disruptive. It, oh, it yeah. will. They're gonna find a way. Yeah. Um. Speaking of being disruptive, if you want to disrupt us jokers here talking, uh, a great way to do that is sending us emails. Uh, so you can send those to shellgames at gmail You can tweet at us at shellgames. You can jump into the Discord. Uh, link for that is in the show notes. Uh, and hop into the the. Uh, podcast discussion channel and chat with us there um and we do the show live like this uh usually we do it mondays but i'm going to be super busy tomorrow so we're doing it on a sunday uh but usually mondays 6 p.m pacific time uh 9 p.m eastern uh and you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts uh apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher youtube uh or just check out shelvegames.com Please subscribe on your platform of choice. Leave us a rating and a review. That really helps us out. Uh, but the best way to help us and support the show is by telling your friends, telling your pals, tell them to tune in to a bunch of Canadian jokers. Sometimes we have Americans on if we're, if we're cool with them. Um, but again, you can follow us at Shelve Games. I'm at John underscore tab. Uh, Twitch.tv Shelve Games for everything else. Music for the show is by Zed Ion, who you can find on SoundCloud. Uh, David, where can people find you on the internet? Um... You can go to dsmilne.com 
It's uh, it's got all my social handles on there. Um, Instagram is where I'm most active. It's largely pictures and stories of uh, my dog Garrus. Mm-hmm. So if if you just want to see a golden retriever being all derpy, I mean that's it. Your number one source right there. <laughs> that's that's where that's where you go. Uh, Ted, where can people find you? Ted, I can see you just went to my website. <laughs> oh, you can see it on my screen. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh no! I hope I didn't look at anything bad. Um, where can you can find, find you me and the stuff that you're doing. Uh, you can find me at Railcar Creative on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of my work, and it's probably where I'm most active. So, awesome! Uh, I know you've been doing some fun stuff there, um, and people yeah. really should go check out Railcar Creative. Like the the work that you do is like fucking incredible. I'm always blown away by like the photos and videos. Oh man, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, this last two weeks have been we've been getting a lot of like upgraded camera gear uh we got a big shoot in november so nice kind of getting ready for that so yeah exciting exciting shit um anyways folks that is gonna do it uh for us this week uh so thank you very much for hanging out with us and um you know what to do until next time go grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're gonna find 